0: Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. Thank you, April. Um, I have the privilege of hosting Bridget, but I even have a greater privilege than that and that Bridget's my sponsor and a member of my home group. Um, You know, I got really, really lucky because what I consider my first real Al-Anon meeting I stumbled upon was the actual founding of our home group. And I walked in there, and it's kind of a running joke in our group as I came in, and I saw um, two church ladies, Martha Stewart and Al-Anon Barbie. Uh, uh, And she is my sponsor, so I will pay a price for that at some point. Uh, (laughs) Um, the great news is, is Bridget is absolutely as beautiful on the inside as she is on the outside, and she has given me things that I will absolutely never be able to repay to another living human being as long as I live, uh, and I am grateful to her and the Al-Anon program. And with that, I'm going to give you Bridget. My name is Bridget, and I'm an Al-Anon. Um, that just made my day because I turned 30 this year and I had a baby about two years ago, so that that was good. So you're, you're not going to get in trouble for that. Um, I would like to say that I'm, you know, real grateful to be here and be doing this, but that would be a lie, so... Um, <laughs> this is absolutely the last thing I ever thought I would do. This this is going to have to come down. This is the last thing I ever thought that I would do, ever, okay? I waited to take speech until the last semester of my college career. I, my worst nightmares to be the center of attention, you know. But having said all that, that shows the gratitude that I have for the program and for what it did for me. And um uh for the first couple years that I was in, I guess recovery sort of, um, I got by by listening to speaker CDs. And so... This is just my way of, I guess, giving back to that. But, um, first thing, a disclaimer kind of I want to say is this is my story, uh, contrary to what y'all might think that this isn't, a lot of y'all know my alcoholic. His name is Lee and he's around here and most people know him. But, um, and I will talk about him just because, um, he's part of my story and he's the reason that I walk through the doors. Um, He's not why I stayed but he's the reason that I got there and so um it's the other side of his of his story I guess you could say but it is my story and um so there may be some things in there that you know it sounds like maybe I'm talking about bad about him but you have to remember this is before and i <laughs> I adore him now and um you know but uh the this this what it was like, but um, anyways. Okay, I think that's it. If I start crying, I can't stop, and it's just like a, it's bad. So I try, I try not to, not because I'm embarrassed about it, but it's just because I, once I start, it's just done, you know. So, um, let me see what it was like. Okay, I was born here, probably. <laughs> You know, five miles from here. I was born at ECM Hospital. Um, my parents were, I mean, nobody has perfect parents, right? But, you know, they're pretty close, I guess you could say. Um, I had a great childhood. Um, I uh, had a, have a brother who's, um, uh, annoyingly well adjusted to life and to his surroundings and was like class favorite and everything you know just like come on you know and <laughs> but um so i don't really have anybody to blame for why for my problems or why i'm here or or whatever but um so the first thing that happened to me that was pretty significant around 5 years old, um I was sexually abused by somebody that I trusted. And um I I say that because I think from the, at that point I learned to repress things and I learned to um uh for some reason when a lot of times when people are abused, they react the opposite way and i think i i from then on i sought male attention and because i thought that's what that was i was good for i guess you could say or that was um i don't know that's just how i did it but um that's what happened to me but i'll talk more about that later in the fourth and fifth step but um and then later on in the fifth grade Oh, well, i got to tell the third grade story first. Um Third grade, we all went to Bear Creek, my school. You know where Bear Creek is if you're around here, you know, whatever. And um we were going on the ropes course, which to me, I promise, it felt like it was like three stories high. I mean, it was so high. And everybody in the class did it except for me. I would not do it. And it's probably like that high now. If I went back now, it would probably be ridiculous, but I would not do it. And I was the only one. Um, that wouldn't do it because I was already had a lot of fear. I was just scared. And another thing is, I didn't want to look bad in front of them because I didn't want to get up there and mess up in front of everybody else. And, um, I've still got to go back and do that. I keep saying I'm going to do it, but i <laughs> it would, it would probably be hilarious because I'm sure it's like, you know, three feet high and I probably wouldn't even, but I'm going to go do it one day. But, um, anyway, that's when, you know, I sort of, I knew that I had, I was different. It just seemed like I, I had more fear and I had more, um, I don't know. I think another reason I didn't want to do it is because I didn't have control over it. You know, I was kind of out of control in front of other people. But, um, anyways, and then in fifth grade is the chicken story, the infamous chicken story. We hatched, um, chickens in our fifth grade class. You know, in incubators, you do that and everything, whatever. And I came home, with two chickens i had one you know that was just normal little chicken and then i had one that i don't know it was like maimed or like it was probably gonna die it was the runt and it could barely move and it was like all this extra care you had to do to take care of it and my mom was like why did you bring this one home and i said because nobody else wanted it and she was like well there's a reason nobody else wanted it and i was like but, you know, that, and that's how I was. I took in the animals and I took care of them and I, you know, no matter what it costs. And I, and that's not a bad thing. But for, for me, some of my best qualities also turn into my worst qualities. It's really weird. It's when I, when I hit that, there's like a balance, but when I, when I go too far one way, it's my fault. It's like a fault that I have. But, um, so that was just kind of like, I'm just setting the stage here for, you know what's what is to come but um anyway everything very normal i was you know sports whatever um pretty much i went to a christian school i was raised in church i had a warped perception of god i'm not blaming that on anybody at all i just did and for some reason and um um when i met my alcoholic i was about 16 well, I say I met him, but, um, I knew him previously, but, um, we really met sort of when I was 16 years old, and, uh, from then on, he was my higher power for about 10 years, I think. I hate saying that, but, um, it's just the truth. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but, um, so, we met, and, you know, we were kind of back and forth kind of thing. He was older, he's older than me. He's like three years older than me. Um, and he wasn't very far along in his disease. He was at the normal what some people do, and then they stop, you know. Um, I had no idea, you know, any of this was, was about to unfold. But anyway, um, he's a preacher's son. And my dad was a uh, song leader, music minister, whatever you want to call that. So, I mean, you know, it's just. Perfect. You know, we both went to the Christian school. I mean, it is just like, you know, it's just gonna not gonna end well. Like, there's no way this is gonna be good. And um, so uh, okay, I'm gonna have to talk about my dad. And uh, okay, so I was about, we were dating. We had broken up 500 times and gotten back together. I mean, it was just a typical. I mean, you know, y'all know what I'm saying. You know, it's just. And, um, so we had gotten back together. I was about 19, 20. I, I honestly don't remember. And, um, my dad got sick. He was 52, I think. No, he was 51 when he got sick. And, um, I was a daddy's girl. I mean, big time. And, uh, It was, I'm sure a lot of y'all have experienced that, you know, a parent getting sick, but it got me, you know. Anyway, so, this was August and... Lee proposed to me like two months later, so of course what do I say? I think this is 2001, I'm not sure. Or <laughs> 2002, maybe. So, you know, everything in my head was saying no. Don't. You're supposed to say no, but um, I couldn't handle, if I say no, then What? You know, um, I couldn't handle any more pain at that time. So I said yes anyway. And my dad um, just got worse and worse. And um, I was really preoccupied with taking care of him because I lived at home at the time. And I think Lee at that time was, was using and stuff and it was progressively getting worse. But I was so focused on other things that I didn't... <laughs> I couldn't really see. You know, we were talking about denial in our meeting, and I was in denial later, but at this time I was just ignorant, you know. I just had no idea. I had no idea. Anyway, he got sicker and sicker, and he lived for about six months. And he died in February, and I got married in October. But I will say this. Um... When he was in the hospital, Lee was there, you know, even... Even in the state he was in, you know, because he's always been a good person. But, um... Anyway, okay. I've got to move on from that. I told you I can't stop when I start. Okay, so he died in February and I was living at home with my mother and I got married in October. So, that is when it got really bad because, you know, you can be with somebody and you can be dating or engaged because we didn't live together before. So, um, until you live with somebody, I mean, because <sighs> he could, he could hide a lot of stuff, you know, but, um, At that point, um, I think I had made myself numb, you know. I think, and I I wasn't, I guess, I don't know. A lot of people say they were angry at God, you know, when they have loss and stuff. I I think I I wasn't anything. I think I was just numb. I think I was just, I couldn't handle any more pain or grief, and so I just shut it all down, you know. I'm just going to not feel anything, but, um, so we got married and, uh, it really, it really wasn't that bad when we got married. Like it it hadn't progressed yet. He progressed really, really fast. And so did I in, in return, but, um, uh, he, and he's an alcoholic. Okay. He is an alcoholic, but he, he's a lot of drugs and drugs got him to his bottom really fast. Because we were poor, and so, <laughs> he had to steal. So that's what, <laughs> so that's what, um, you know, it just, he had, uh, he was work. I was in school, I was in social work school, um, of course I was. <laughs> how many, how many Al-Anon people are in here? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are social workers, teachers or nurses? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. Or therapists. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Um Anyways, so I was in school and he was working for a family friend of mine. And uh <clears throat> this is what our life was like. Um we watched a lot of TV. We didn't go anywhere. Um, I made excuses for him all the time of why he was m- missing events. I chose to make excuses for him. He didn't ask me to. So that's not him. It's on me. Um <clears throat> I remember he missed Thanksgiving one time because he had this stomach virus for the third time <laughs> that month, I think. I'm not kidding. I mean, it was always something. But... um but I'll say this, um his his using and drinking was kept very secretive for me. And I didn't know, I thought one hundred percent that I had married a jerk and that was just what it was. I had no idea. I had no idea. Um, I, it made so much sense once I you know finally knew, but um um his addiction got really bad really fast. Like I said, when we first got married about a year later, um, we were just, it wasn't necessarily that we fought, but we didn't do anything. It was just like a, I can't even, I guess you understand what I'm saying. It was just like an empty, gross, like just walking dead people, you know, like no, no fun, no laughter, no, no nothing. And just. You know, it's like I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what. I, you know, I just thought, well, yeah, I really thought it was all his fault, really, honestly. But um, anyway, so moving on, we um started uh, I started noticing money was missing, and um, shockingly, but um, it took me like three years in Al-Anon to be able to look at my bank statement online without. My heart's starting to pound, like, before I looked at it. I'm not kidding. It was, like, a big deal because yeah. every time I looked, it would be, like, $1,000 in the hole or something. But um. anyway, so this is another running joke in our house because Lee always said, every week he said, because I was in charge of paying the bills, but I didn't make any of the money. I think I was like a, I think I babysat or something. I don't remember. It's such a blur to me. It's just as much a blur to me as it is to him. I promise. Um, he would say, I'm going to bring you my check this week. I promise. I promise I'm going to bring you my check. And we'll pay all this. I have never, to this day, I never saw one single check for like two years. Never, I don't know what they look like. Like that's, and every week he would say that and I would be like, he's going to bring it to me this week. I know it, he means it, he's gonna bring it to me, and then we're gonna, it's gonna be fine. Well, um, he started getting, um, he spoke this morning and he was saying he had loans, um, but they called it embezzlement. Uh, he was, <laughs> he was borrowing paychecks from his, um, in advance from his boss, and, uh, <laughs> Okay, remember, I have no idea that he's ever even uh, done a drug other than smoked some pot. No clue, okay? This is like how secretive he was, and I guess how ignorant I was, and in denial, I guess, but I don't know which... It's hard to decide which one it was, but um, I had planned a trip um, with my best friend to go to New York, which right there should tell you, why would you go to New York with your best friend and not your husband? But you know why. (laughs) Um, so I was getting ready to leave and, um, I went to her apartment to pick her up and we were sitting there. So I guess at this time I was 22 or three. I don't, I don't know. And the phone rings and it's my brother, which is odd. And he said, I, you know, I need to talk to my sister and, uh, I I got on the phone and he said I talked to so and so my husband's boss they were friends and he said um uh Lee lost his job last night <clears throat> and I was like really and cuz I mean I had seen him that morning and he got up and went went to work that morning <laughs> and uh he said, yeah, he's, he's stolen, um, a lot of money from him and he found out and he fired him and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, I literally remember, uh, being on the floor, literally. Like it's one of those times where you're up face down on the floor. Like, what am I supposed to do? What's wrong? You know, and long story short, we, my brother and, uh, and, Another family friend um, confronted him um, and his sister um, and asked him to take a drug test. I think I skipped something about him saying it about it was about drugs. Oh, he said that he used to do drugs, but he wasn't doing them. You know, some some kind of crazy thing, and um, that I'm sure I believed at the time. But um, and so my sister in law, her name's Laura. And, uh, she handed him a drug test, which you can buy him at the pharmacy. I never knew that. You can just go buy a drug test. I was like, I would have done that a long time ago. You know, you can't, you can't prove it because I could never prove anything. It was like I sort of suspected it sometimes, but I couldn't prove anything. Anyway, so she tried, she handed him the drug test and he knocked it out of her hand, which is like, was crazy for him because he's not, he's a very gentle creature. You know, he doesn't, He's not that way. And he knocked it out of her hand and was just defiant. You know, y'all are, I can't believe y'all. You know, he's loaded the whole time, which is just classic. But, um, anyway, he finally, I don't know how he convinced him or whatever, but, um, he finally came clean about that much of the truth, which I, I truly believe it was all he was capable of telling me at that time. And, um, so I was like, okay. Whatever, you know, um, we'll do whatever. And we, I don't even know how we got in contact with, um, uh, treatment center at Discovery Place, called Discovery Place. It's in Nashville. And, um, we, well, actually, we went to New Life first. That's the place, that's what it's called. And, well, no, we didn't. We went to detox first. So, me, here we go. Me and my father in law, the preacher, big, South African missionary preacher man driving the car and his sister's in the front seat and we're in the back seat and Lee is um completely dope sick I mean I hadn't I didn't know at the time he was but looking back I mean he was like sick 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 I just thought he was upset you know or what or embarrassed you know and he's like I was upset but um So we're, we're driving along and they're like, Oh, look at the beautiful trees. You know, like they had, I'm not kidding. They said that they were like, look at the trees, how pretty they are. And we're, I'm like, I'm about, I think I cussed in front of him, which is hilarious because I don't typically just cuss and I was so irritated that I did and he just laughed. But, um, anyway, so we got to detox and I'm, <laughs> I go back um to the room with him to get him admitted to the hospital and, um. That's when I it sort of hit me the the what was really going on because the doctor came in and said I need to know what you're using or whatever or what you're on and he told him and I was like I had never even like heard of some of the stuff he said you know I was like who are you what is that? you know and then they looked at me like I'm sitting there like I probably I weighed like 108 pounds at that time I mean I was like 15 pounds less than I am now and it, he was like and that's completely sober. I mean, I'm not on any kind of dope or anything, okay? And um and he they looked at me and was like, "What are you on or whatever?" I was like, "I don't do drugs." And they're like, "You smoke or drink?" No, well, I don't. And they're like, they totally didn't believe me. Like, I think I might, I don't can't remember if they wanted me to do a drug screen or not, but anyway, I was like, "I promise." I don't know It's whatever. So anyway, he was in there for Few days, seven days, I think. I buddy I called every day, you know, just like seeing how he's doing. What's he doing now? Oh gosh, that's just like crazy. And, uh, just, you know, and then we went and picked him up and took him to, uh, a treatment center that was co-ed. And I was like, uh, no, this ain't happening. <laughs> and so we left that place and, um, <laughs> And which I'm glad we did, because where he ended up was where he was supposed to be, but um he went to a place called Discovery Place and um left him there and I met a man named Jack, and he was the first person in recovery that I ever met um and I will love him forever because he helped me tremendously um and he took me on a tour of the place and it was up to my standards you know the I was like what is what do they eat make sure they you know god forbid he would go hungry for a meal. and um I'll I'll never forget and Bob and I were talking about this um yesterday we were on the tour and and Jack said um was trying to explain alcoholism to me cuz this is literally I mean I'd heard of AA and I've heard of alcoholism and I've heard but that's like like foreign language to me. You know, I just didn't, that doesn't happen to me, you know, or that doesn't happen to to normal good people, right? I mean, and, um, and I always wanted to say, I, I couldn't understand why you couldn't just stop. You know, that's, that's the number one thing I hear in the Al Anon meeting is why can't they just stop or what, what is the, you know, that's like the big question. And, and Jack said, um, it's like being in a cave that's completely dark and you can't see your hand in front of your face. You know, it's that dark and you're calling and you're calling and you want to get out of it, but you can't see, you can't see where to go. It's like you're just, you're just grabbing into the darkness. And so somebody else that's been in that cave and knows how to get down there and how to get back up has to come down there and hold you by the hand and guide you out. That's the only way out and i was telling them yesterday i i I was giving given a gift of clarity i was god was doing for me what i couldn't do for myself because i got it i understood and i was like okay so i can't do it it I, i have no power to do it because i haven't been down there so um i'm gonna let you do it and um I let go of him at that time. And I mean, I still called every day. And I, <laughs> but, um, I tried, you know, I, I think I was, I was, you know, you don't change overnight, but um, I was, that was when it was, that first thing was planted in me, like, okay, I can do this. I, I, I can let go of this. And, and as soon as he stops, when he gets sober, it's going to be fine. Right. Okay. So, um, then I go to, uh, family day, or family week, I don't even remember, which I like to call hell week or hell day, however you want to call it. And, um, I'm sitting in there and they're like, this they stuff on the wall about the steps and, you know, and I was like, this is the craziest, like, why are they talking to me about this? I, you know, I'm like, the saint here, I am like, for staying with him and doing all this, you know, and, I started then kind of that's when my denial started for me. Um was I, I didn't think that I had a problem. I, you know, I thought the problem was him and as long as he didn't drink he'd be fine and um which was totally not true. So I um he got home from treatment and it was uh not as bad as as using days, but um, you know it's like two strangers. I mean, like who is this person? And um, he was in meetings. Literally, he would leave at like five thirty and come home at nine thirty because that's the only way he knew to be. And that you know, and I think I underst I sort of understood that at the time, but over time I got resentful about it. And uh, I'm not gonna. Share a lot of stuff just for the sake of, I mean, I believe secrets keep you sick, but I also think you have privacy in a lot of, in your marriage and and stuff like that. But I sought out attention from others and, um, because my alcoholic was well and I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to interact with somebody that's well. So, um, because I'm sick, you know, at that point. And, um, that kind of brought me to a bottom, I think, uh, starting to, I started going to some Al Anon. I asked somebody to be my sponsor and they said we don't do sponsorship here, which I'm not saying not talking bad about anybody, it's just what they told me. So um I was like, All right, well, okay. And um I asked somebody else and she said no. And so I was kinda like that's no excuse, but I'm just saying it wasn't, it's a little different than going to AA around here. You know, <laughs> you're kind of, there was only like two groups at the time, I think, and one has since folded. And um, anyway, so I'd listen to CDs and I read and reading was the most important thing I ever did in the beginning. It was, was um, I read the big book, I read To the Wives, The Family Afterwards, all that. But then I started reading, reading Al-Anon Literature. Um, that started changing me. Started listening to speaker CDs, AA and Al Anon, and started seeing, could see then when I heard other people talk, I could identify and say, oh, yeah, okay, that's where, yeah, I'm Al Anon. I don't know why. I, it's nobody's fault, um, that I am the way I am. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my church's fault. It's not, you know, I just am. I just belong. Um, but um anyway so i had some health problems this is about lee had been sober about 2 years i think and um i had long story short i was i thought that i had leukemia and i had to go see um the oncologist that was my dad's doctor and that sent me into a complete tailspin. I mean, like, you know, fear, just crazy. And uh, it turned out after several tests and all that kind of stuff that, that I didn't, but, which is great. But um, I still, I think that kind of tipped me over the edge. I think I had a lot of repressed stuff from my dad. Um, from I don't think I ever grieved because I didn't want to feel it. And, like, someone was talking, I guess, this morning about unresolved grief, what it can do to somebody. It did it to me. And um, I started having physical manifestations, I think, of untreated al Like, I started having panic attacks. I'm not talking about, like, I'm going to freak out. I'm talking, like, I convinced the doctor I was having a stroke, and he put me in the hospital to run, run tests on my heart. Because I was like, I'm, di- I am, I am dying. I am having a stroke, and I can't function. Like that's the kind of panic attack I'm talking about. Just fear, paralyzed by fear. Seriously. And um, and I'm a mental health professional, by the way. During all this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anyway, so I got to a bottom, to my bottom. I was on the couch in the fetal position and couldn't function for like two or three days, could barely eat. Um And I think, well, I know it's because for several years I had prayed for willingness, but I never had it. Like I I, I wanted to, to be in recovery and I wanted to do the stuff, but I wasn't willing to do it. I hadn't hurt enough, I don't think. And so God did that for me, which I'm grateful for but um, that's how he gets my attention. He gets my attention when I have to do stuff like this because I talked to him. I had conscious contact with him more this week than I have in six months. I'm not kidding. Um, He knows how to get me, you know. And so, um, actually, my husband 12-stepped me. And... uh, I believe he called Bobo is here. Who's the second person I met in recovery? I, he's one of the guys that I called every day at Discovery Place. And asked what Lee was eating for lunch and if he was just clothes were clean, you know. Stupid, come on, you know, so embarrassing. because um, he was still my higher power at that time, you know. I did not Um, anyway, so I think Lee called Bobo because we had we had gotten made formed relationships with a lot of people there and um. He gave me gave Lee a cell phone number, and Lee said, "Are you willing to do anything to um to get better?" And I said, "Yes," and I meant it. I I would have cut off my big toe if they would have asked me to, because I couldn't live like that. I wasn't living, and um, that's a gift, man. That gift of desperation is like. Because I couldn't start until I, until I'm desperate. And I, I, I won't change until I am desperate. And I have nowhere else to go. That's just how I am. Y'all may can relate. I don't know. But, um, anyway, so he gave me a phone number. I called this lady I'd never met in my entire life. Um, and immediately was like, I'd known her my whole life. It was just such a God thing. Her name's Sissy and she is, she lives in Nashville. And, um, we started working the steps. I didn't want to take medicine, like for anxiety. I'm not talking about like benzos. I'm talking about like no fun medicine, like <laughs> antidepressants. Yeah. And, um, I didn't want to because I thought that made me weak and I thought that I just didn't have enough faith. And she told me to get over it. <laughs> and, she said uh who do you think created modern medicine and if you think it if it's going to help you to get on your feet then why wouldn't you do it you know and um so i did and we started working the steps i drove to nashville we met in columbia uh um, like i said i was willing i've done whatever um but her and her husband are two of the greatest blessings out of the whole ordeal to me and, and the people that I've met in recovery, but, um, we did a lot of work. We, uh, I, I worked a lot on the grief stuff. I did a lot of that, um, that I had not resolved. And, um, uh, sometime during that, it was after my fourth and fifth step, I think, you know, I did, I did all that, the whole deal, and I, um, forgave a lot of people. Most importantly, I had to forgive myself i don't know about aA because i can't speak for y'all but I know a lot of alanons um have the hardest person to forgive is yourself and um because i held myself to a higher standard I think than i had unrealistic expectations of of others and myself and um i had to do that um i the person that abused me i don't i don't have any feeling toward it all I mean I'm not I just don't think it, it doesn't have an effect on me anymore. And, um, uh, I'm trying to think of some amends to, st- oh, an amends story. Um, sometimes anons have a different kind of experience with amends, you know, cause I didn't necessarily steal from people, but you know, I did lie to people and, um, I did cover and I did, um, I mean, of course, there's the childhood stuff and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But as far as the now kind of thing, something that really blessed me and that I do with, Um, sponsees is um, for instance my mother remarried about a year after my dad died and I was, I love, he's a great guy. This just goes to show he takes care of my mother, he's always treated me like his own daughter, he's a great man, but you know I just have resentment for him because why, he's not my dad so that's not rational but I did and so how I made amends to him is you know I didn't say hey I don't, I resent you because you're not my dad, I My sponsor told me to, um, start writing him like cards and letters that said, I appreciate you and what you do for my mother and how you, you know, the reasons why he's a blessing to me and it completely changed our relationship. I mean, I love him now and he treats my son like his own, you know, (laughs) and not that we had a bad relationship. I did that with my mother too and, um, lots of people in my life and, um. Uh, anyway, so it got a lot life got a lot better and um I got pregnant. Uh yeah, during that time. I mean I think I was still working with Sissy um on the actual steps, maybe. We may have already finished, but um and I had a miscarriage. And I, once again I thought that didn't really affect me, you know. Kind of like the whole thing with my dad again. I'm like, well, it's not a big deal, you know. It happens to everybody. But, um, it did, and we we did a lot of work on that. Um, so that's something that the program gave me that you know I I wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, uh, I wrote a letter to my child, and and I read it, and um, I read it to my sponsor. I went drove to Nashville, and we talked about it and cried and read it and all that. And that very day, um, I got pregnant with my son. And um uh he's two years old now. He was here last night. And if you saw the little maniac running around but um Okay, so then I get pregnant and I'm so sick. So sick. And um we had just started our group, literally I told them I was pregnant on the first meeting. That was when I had the miscarriage, though. But so then, like, a couple months later, we had just, um, oh, I didn't talk about Lisa. Okay, during that time, um, <laughs> during this time, um, this lady came into my life. Her name's Lisa, and she's here. And we were both like, well, I'll say God sent her into my life, is what I'll say. <laughs> they, God put us in each other's paths. And we were both searching for something um, because I had a sponsor and I had a program in the steps, but I didn't have a fellowship Um, because there was a a group that met here, but it was during the day, and I worked, and so I couldn't go during the day. And I couldn't make it to where I could go during the day. It was one of those deals. So um, after a couple years, um, Lisa and I were like, We gotta, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Like, we gotta start a group. And, um, so we got together with some core members and we started, um, our pastor recovery group. I think there's three of me and Tina and Lisa and two other ladies, um, that never came back, but, (laughs) um, anyway, we trucked along for about a year and chaired all the meetings, whether there was one or two or, you know, seven or whatever. And, um, I had a baby during that time and I went berserk again because, um, I don't know if anybody's ever had a baby, <laughs> but, uh, I really had really bad postpartum depression, really bad. And once again, I didn't want to get on medicine. And once again, my sponsor said, get over it. And, um, uh, so I did and it got better and I, and I promise if I hadn't been an Alan I would have never done that. I would have never asked for help. I would have never, um, said I can't do this. Uh, you know, uh, something's gotta give, but I did. And, um, I have, you know, Tina and Lisa are my, I heart them. I heart Tina and Lisa. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, because they were there for me through all that. And, uh, anyway, our group has started to grow. And, uh, it's really awesome what God has done. And, um, we have meetings on Thursday nights and Saturday mornings. And, uh, it's really awesome. And I'll tell you what it's like now. Um, now what Alanon has given me is gratitude that I got to, um, Hold my dad's hand when he was sick, and that I can appreciate being a mother instead of um, complaining about it, which I do sometimes. But um, I can, I live, I try to live in the moment with my son, and I try to parent him with spiritual principles. And um, when I act like a jerk to my husband or to somebody else. um I try to make amends for it, and um I try to give i try to be a vessel of God and to um, show kindness and love to other people, no matter what and I'm not so hard on myself, and I have to say what aa has given me because I, I have to talk about that because you know i love aa and that's how i, I listened to and was it in aa book really before i was alan on sort of i just didn't really qualify but i was there um you know you gave me a husband a, a partner to parent with not just another child you know because um he took care of me when I was sick, when I was pregnant. He would have never done that. Um, and I let him take care of me, which is what Alanon gave me. And, uh, he makes amends to me when he's a jerk. And, and I'm okay with him being a jerk sometimes because people are jerks sometimes. But, um, we go to our meetings, um, we, we, Work with new people, with couples, with, um, new people in Alanon and AA, and, um, something that I always try to remember, but just because Bob's sitting right there, it made me think about it. Um, whenever I talk to new people on the phone or whatever, I'm telling y'all, you think an alcoholic coming in is bad? Uh-uh. Wait till you work with a family member. Uh, I mean that, talk about like beating your head against the wall, but every time I talk to somebody new and I start feeling that like where I want to shake them, I think about Bob O and I think about how kind and patient he was with me when I called him every day and asked these stupid questions and he was just patient and, um, and didn't make me feel stupid, you know, (laughs) and, uh. That's what the program gave me. And, um, so now today we have a son and we live a normal, normal life. I guess you could say one of the biggest things. And I say this all the time and earthlings, which is what I call people who aren't in the program probably don't understand this, but we can go to the mall or target and like walk around and like buy something or like. We can go out to eat, and it's not, like, a big deal. I mean, that makes sense to you, hopefully. You get what I'm trying to say. Like, we can do, like, normal people's stuff. Like, sometimes we'll be, like, driving down the road, and we'll be, like, going to, like, a barbecue. I don't know. I've never been to a barbecue, but, like, it sounded good. But it's like you're going to something completely like a normal person, and we're like, are we really doing this? Like, we're, like, normal people. Or, like, go to church and be like, we're sitting in church like oh my gosh you know <laughs> but um anyway God has really done more way more with my life than I could have ever dreamt or imagined or or anything and um, that is a direct result of a willingness and um, taking direction from somebody else and um, trying to stay in my own hula hoop and two things that I learned how to say in Al Anon that have changed my life are, um, I'll oh, only say three things. The first one is, um, that's none of my business. Um, that sounds like a personal problem to me. And, have you talked to Morris lately? Or have you talked to your sponsor lately? <laughs> and those are, those are life changing if you're an Al Anon. So um, I learned how to, to work on, on my program and myself, and uh, it's changed me tremendously. Um, I'm going to close with a reading that we read at every single one of our Al-Anon meetings. Um, and if there was one reading that I would want somebody to hear, this is it, and that's why we read it at our meetings. Why is it so hard to admit we are powerless over al- alcohol as the first step suggests we do? All of us have heard and shared in discussions at al meetings as to whether this should be interpreted as alcohol or the alcoholic. We have no power over either one. No one can control the insidious effect of alcohol or its power to destroy the graces and decencies of life. No one can control the alcoholic's compulsion to drink, but we do have a power derived from God, and that is the power to change our own lives. Acceptance does not mean submission to a degrading situation it means accepting the fact of a situation and then deciding what we will do about it. Thank you. Thanks you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.